Welcome to the Inger Micro Advisor podcast, where we have real conversations about technology. Your hosts are Daniel Gallagher, Jason Williams, and me, Doug Metzger. Today's topic is VMware, upgrading from vSphere 5.5 to vSphere 6.5. Danielle and Jason, tell our listeners about a few of your technology upgrade and migration stories. Yeah, Doug, uh, this is Danielle. I have a great transition story. Uh, My son is starting college next week, and my husband and I were starting to brainstorm ways to cut costs. So we decided that we wanted to cut the cord with our satellite provider. And the transition from satellite provider to streaming television has been liberating, to say the least. So we said goodbye to high bills and bad service for channels that we don't need. And this has been definitely a technology upgrade for our household. And it's great because we get to choose the channels we want to watch, plus we have access to like more movies and TV shows. It's completely customizable. But the best part is it cut our bill like by 75%. And then my teenagers who want to sit down and watch TV with us again, because normally they're like in their rooms with the doors closed watching shows on their iPads. So it kind of brought us back together in the family room. How about you, Jason? Yeah, um, I have a, a yeah interesting little upgrade story here. I, for the longest time, I was uh, operating on on sort of two different Macintosh uh, machines. I had a uh, an old old um, really old Apple desktop that I think I've had for more than I don't know seven eight years, um, and then also for travel, I had a, a MacBook Air. And um, recently it was decided, you know, we needed to really just upgrade to a a much more robust laptop and get everything onto one machine. And so at first, you know, it sounded simple on the surface. And the the minute we started looking at it, um, you know, we were realizing that, well, it was a combination of, of, you know, files stored on both machines, which is really not that big a deal, but it was more the having to deal with a a legacy version of Outlook on the desktop um, because I had tons of old email folders saved locally on that on that desktop's uh, hard drive and because that version was sold it didn't support you know being able to just simply create folders and migrating everything everything over onto a server I had to actually duplicate the entire database file and then move it to the new machine and then manually go through and and uh, create folders on the on the server uh, which took a long time, um, you know, and then and then moving files over from two different machines, you know, I was I'd, sometimes I'd work on on you know files uh, that were the same project, but on different machines I was taking something home or if I was on the road, and again not a big deal except for that when you've got you know a couple thousand of them and then you go to put everything onto a brand new machine, you run into sort of some some duplication issues. Um, so I had to to get some deduplication software real quick uh, and make sure that that I was you know combining everything properly and really it wasn't a big deal for older older files but you know new things where version control is important I had to be a little bit more more nitpicky about it so really the the moral of the story here is one you know try not to live in two places at once um, and two if you have to you know that's that's where the cloud really comes in handy I mean that's that's you know really the better way to live so. Uh, it was sort of the, the the hard lesson learned there. How about you, Doug? Yeah, this one's about my kids and their mobile devices. 
As teenagers, I've seen them save up and purchase everything from inexpensive flip phones to an Android, and then their goal, because everyone has one, is an iPhone. I think this relates to this podcast because every step of the way, they've migrated up to better and faster technologies to help them do more, like improve how they communicate, create, and research and complete homework. And each new device creates opportunities to access new apps and purchase accessories to use and protect their devices. Now let's introduce our guest who's the real expert on all things VMware, Brandon Grudadoria, a technology consultant at Inger Micro. VMware vSphere 5.5 will no longer be supported as of September 19 this year. So today we want to give our solution providers tips on how to prep customers for the migration to vSphere 6.5. Thank you for joining us, Brandon. So it was really great you know, being with you guys here today to kind of share some upgrade stories. And one of the interesting things too is that I, uh, at home, uh, have a 1968 Chevelle. And while we can marvel in the wonders of age-old technology, there was still something in me that just said to myself, well, one, I really don't want to mess around with tuning carburetors and tuning engines anymore. So for my upgrade story, um, I bought all the old carburetion on my vehicle and put an electronic fuel ignition um, and, and, and fuel injection. So, you know, right, it's just one of those things where do you trust the technology? And again, I mean, I'm 34 years old and I absolutely love it, right? So it's a lot more enjoyable to drive the car. You don't have to worry about getting under the hood and tweaking and tuning everything all the time because there's a lot of, you know, improvements that are made with this whole digital economy. And in a sense, now my 1968 Chevelle can share 2018 technology. So it's, it's very interesting to see how we see this evolution of our data center and how VMware has really done an excellent job of keeping up with not just the trends, but also setting some of those trends and directions to make sure that, you know, our customers have the ability to get the most out of their hardware purchases, but also to be able to get the most out of their cloud purchases as well. So I wanted to highlight, and Doug, thanks again for kind of putting that date as well, because again, I just can't stress that enough. That September 19th date um, is when vSphere 5.5 is going end of support. And that could be a huge customer satisfaction issue with our resellers' clients, uh, because they're the ones that are, in a sense, running their business on VMware. And I'm not saying that VMware is completely shutting the doors on them. We want to just make sure that they have active support. So... I've got a lot of information that I'd love to share, but I'm just going to shore it up real quick um, before we kind of maybe kick it off for some questions. Um, there's a lot of new features that are out there. Uh, aside from getting into the technical details of it, I wanted to start off with just three key things to start off with, is that um, any partner that wants to have a conversation with their end user in terms of how to upgrade from a vSphere 5.5 to 6.5, or even the latest, which is 6.7, uh, is that... The three things that I love to stick with are, one, we want them to run an assessment, okay? And for me, being a technology consultant at Ingram Micro, uh, I teach, train, and enable our reseller partners to learn more about that, uh, th those different assessments that VMware offers. And there's five of them, but there's one that I want to really be particular on, especially for this. We want them to run a vSphere optimization assessment, and that's going to help frame up what their migration strategy can look like, but also showcase some cost-benefit analysis on how they can actually right-size their VMware infrastructure. The second option here is going to be observe the hardware compatibility lists. Those are going to be our bread and butter when we go to start having those future conversations on um, any new hardware that, per that they've purchased or going to purchase to make sure that it's just going to work. And then finally, we've got published migration guides from VMware that actually helps to shape up 
what needs to be upgraded first and how to stage in the rest of their servers so that they don't have to worry about any downtime. So I'll flip it over to uh, you guys if you got any questions for me. Yeah, Brandon, welcome to our podcast. This is Danielle. I just wanted to start with, and I think you covered some things in your introduction, was um, what does this migration really mean for VMware customers? So that's a good point, right? So as with all things, you know, we continuously are surrounded by um, the economics of change. And that's something that we witness even with our own personal devices in our pocket or our purse. You know, when, um, you know, Apple or Android constantly tell us that we know we need to upgrade to the latest version and all this other stuff, because there's a lot of security improvements, there's uh, capacity improvements, and there's also just new features that, you know, are just only in the latest and greatest uh, versions of software. So in this case, I want to highlight a couple key differentiators because for those that are still running on vSphere 5.5, they one may not even know what version of VMware they're on. So that again is huge for our reseller partners to engage uh, their clients with is because they're just running their business. They're running their business on VMware products and it's running great, right? But they may not be taking advantage of all the latest uh, improvements that VMware has created around the latest 6.5 and 6.7 versions that are out there. So to highlight one of the major um, improvements that VMware or major features that VMware has created with vSphere 6.5 is uh, I want to highlight predictive DRS. And I'm not going to sling all these acronyms at you. I'm not going to try to do that. But predictive DRS, DRS stands for Distributed Resource Scheduler. And that is a way, right, while we boil down all the technical nuts and bolts, this is a, a beautiful way that the servers that are running these virtual machines okay, are going to be load balanced properly between the hosts, which is what DRS does today. But what's interesting is that the predictive DRS capabilities happen between, there's a component. Okay? The component that exists is called vRealize Operations Manager. So the vRealize Operations Manager takes and watches what these servers are doing continuously. And then it also kind of fingerprints when peak hours of the day exist, when let's say a lot of majority of the employees come in at 8.30 in the morning or whatever time. And as these, these workloads change, okay, we want to make sure that their virtual machines are properly balanced to make sure that nothing's being overstressed. In a sense, we want to establish a data center zen. Right? So predictive ERS happens because they're able to take the servers that maybe are going to be taxed in a sense of uh, their you know, process, the different processes they have. We want to make sure that before those peak you know, processes happen, we want to reduce their workload and balance everything out before. So if it predicts an impact, it can move virtual machines around automatically without any intervention from a human being to making sure that the servers, the physical hosts, are running the most effectively as possible and also to avoid potential downtime because if a server gets too overworked, there could be grounds for that system to crash, right? And, or just be overstressed and everything starts running slow. And of course, that's the first thing that this, the email tickets start occurring is that when, they, uh, when users can't get to their, you know, their email properly or everything is running slow, you know, to avoid all those, that's where predictive DRS comes into play. Um, and the last uh, you know, thing that I wanted to hint on is that there is this new feature within vSphere 6.7 called vSphere Quick Boot. And that is a simple way where, you know, if you are continuously working with 
your servers and virtual machines and starting them up and shutting them down based on, you know, whatever type of application workload you may have, QuickBoot just really allows us to restart a virtual machine even faster, plus also restart hosts even faster as well. So when upgrades do occur, instead of waiting, uh, you know, let's say five to 10 minutes sometimes for some of these, you know, very large servers to boot up, um, VMware has a way to use vSphere QuickBoot so that now they reduce the boot times to around like two minutes or so. So uh, over a dozen different improvements that are out there, um, but I just wanted to highlight just a couple of those key features um, and, and really, you know, just try to see if there's others that, you know, if there's other features that you're looking for, um, I, 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 we've got a ton of information out there in terms of data sheets that uh, we'd love to share. And maybe we could put them into the, uh, the podcast notes too. Yeah, we definitely can. Uh, but now that we know why customers should upgrade or migrate, can you maybe walk us through some steps that our solution providers need to take to help them through this process? Perfect. And that's great because I kind of alluded that to the, in the first place, but to just stay within my, you know, just stay on the track here for me, especially because, again, you know, I'm a basket case with some of this information, um, <laughs> is that the, the three main steps would be, one, run an assessment, okay? That's oh. the that's mm -hmm. a for optimization assessment. The second would be to observe those hardware compatibility lists. For the service providers that are listening, reseller service providers, um, the biggest thing here is that there could be a potential revenue drag from a hardware perspective in upgrading your clients to vSphere 6.5 and 6.7. So I don't want to leave anything on the table here um, to, for them to have a conversation with. So those hardware compatibility lists allow our resellers to have that future conversation to say, well, if we're going to upgrade to vSphere 6.5 or 6.7, there's going to be a good chance we're going to need to refresh some of your hardware infrastructure, some of these servers that are running your workloads. And three, follow the published migration guidelines. Uh, they're bulletproof now. Um, now that, you know, vSphere 6.5 has been on, around for over a year, 6.7 was released a, about four or five months ago. And what's nice about these is that it walks them through systematically to make sure that when they're doing the services work, that there's not going to be any major downtime and they're following the proper procedures so that any new system that they need to, uh, you know, let's say, build upon, uh, whether it's going to be going upgraded to vSphere 6.5 or 6.7, that they've got the proper migration uh, path in place. So that is the published migration guidelines by VMware. Okay, and can you uh, think of any challenges customers may face with this upgrade? Yeah, that's, good. that's a good question. So the main conversation points I've had around the upgrade is going to be really twofold. One is around upgrading the vCenter. So vCenter is the management workhorse of the vSphere infrastructure, right? So anytime you need to you know, build a new virtual machine or create host profiles or customize your data center, they're using vCenter. And the way that VMware is going is that customers may today be using a vCenter appliance that they've built upon a Windows instance, right, like a Windows operating system. The way VMware is going is that they want everybody to start getting on the vSphere server appliance, or vCSA. The vCSA is paramount because any new updates uh, that are occurring are only meant for the vCenter server appliance. They're phasing out the Windows client, if you will, simply because, well, one, there's a cost savings, right? If I am a solution provider and I need to 
build up this vSphere infrastructure, vCenter would consume a license of Microsoft SQL and Microsoft Windows, which also costs money, right? In this case, with the server appliance, with the vCenter server appliance, all of it's rolled into VMware's Photon OS, and it's using like MongoDB or Postgres database, so it's all open source from the back end. So really, there's no extra cost to size a vCenter. In this case, you know, they're going to be able to use the appliance, save on the, the typical cost that would have been incurred with um, the Microsoft Windows or SQL licensing. They don't have to worry about that going forward. So that's usually the first step that I talk about in terms of that migration path. Um, 6.5, you can still use the Windows version of vCenter, but vSphere 6.7, okay, that is solely focused on the uh, VCSA. We want them to uh, use the vCenter server appliance. And then the second major consideration or obstacle, I would say, is that, you know, yeah, there is um, a finite amount of resources that our vendors, our OEM vendors, uh, can throw at in terms of testing and developing um, their hardware compatibility list with the latest editions of these softwares. So typically what happens is, is that you've got a, you know, three or five-year-old server that was qualified and supported to run vSphere 5.5, while the new servers that are out are only being tested on vSphere 6.0 and higher. So in this case, um, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, let's say making it a blame game, right, where, you know, a customer might be saying, well, VMware is not supporting the old hardware. Well, it's a mixed bag of things because OEMs, the major hardware OEMs, uh, are, have to have the responsibility for doing those compatibility checks. So that's why it becomes a conversation around what is their hardware currently on the floor today and can it support vSphere 6.5 or 6.7? And I'll be honest with you, I mean, we want all of our, you know, our resellers to have that conversation with their end users, but if it's still a major stumbling block, I, I, I guess we could say yes, they could go vSphere 6.0 um, due to you know budget constraints. Maybe they don't have the right part, uh, hardware budget in place to refresh their gear right now, but yeah, just at least get them off of vSphere 5.5. <laughs> so <laughs> those hardware compatibility lists are another huge talking point. Great, this is awesome information. Doug, do you have questions for Brandon? I do. Thank you, Danielle. So Brandon, you talked a little bit about solution provider opportunities around hardware and services. Are there other opportunities this upgrade presents for solution provider partners once they get their customers upgraded? And if so, do you have any real life examples? Okay, so, that, so that's a great point, Doug, right? So this is what, and again, it's gonna be very unique because everybody consumes VMware a little bit differently. And this is from like the VMware vision, okay, is that we want to make sure that, you know, our customers, right, let's say our resellers, uh, our resellers end users, right, in a sense, you're all customers, in my opinion, um, really take advantage of these latest and greatest features that are released in vSphere 6.5 and 6.7, because what they do is they really prime our, uh, the end users to be able to then start consuming other ancillary solutions. In this case, um, the other big ticketed item that we talk about a lot nowadays in the VMware team is around VMware Cloud on AWS. This is huge because, you know, VMware really says, hey, we're going to be a very agnostic partner for you so that they could run their workloads on, you know, a AWS solution, it could be on a IBM Cloud solution, or it could be a Microsoft Azure solution, and you can have this cross-cloud compatibility 
with VMware. But there is one thing I do want to say is that if they're not on the latest edition of vSphere, they won't even really have a good migration or elasticity to move their workloads from on-premise to the cloud without, of course, incurring major downtime. So as we talk about just, yeah, is it an upgrade? Sure. But the underpinnings rely upon the different services that VMware bakes in to be able to support this cross-cloud technology. And, you know, from this standpoint, um, and this is a perfect example here, is that if we wanted to have a customer uh, have a both private and public cloud offering, and they have VMware on the premise today, what we recommend is the VMware Cloud and AWS solution because, in a sense, it's all vSphere at its core, right? But it's still, of course, a good majority of that is all instantiated on a public cloud offering in AWS availability zones. The nice part about this is that they have to be on vSphere 6.5 at least, and when they are, they're going to be able to move workloads and do like a vMotion. And a vMotion is really um, migrating a virtual machine from an on-premise data center to a public cloud. And in this case, with the VMware Cloud and AWS offerings, they can do that without any downtime. And they still keep the storage moves with the server, the, um, the security you know, uh, protocols that are created on this virtual machine all move with it. So this is a huge conversation point um, around our solution providers because, you know, yeah, if their customers aren't on the latest edition of vSphere, it kind of makes um, adopting the cloud a little bit more challenging. So that's, that's one of the, uh, the big um, conversation points I've had um, with some of my solution providers. And um, if I could share just a quick story around the assessment piece, I have a, a reseller up in the Northeast that um, was tossing around the idea, or their end user was tossing around the idea around a hardware refresh. You know, because they wanted to purchase, you know, four or five new servers, and they were going to load these things to the guilds with a ton of memory, um, ton of CPU usage, and, of course, uh, some software-defined storage, right, leveraging vSAN, which is great. Now, what I told them before that, I said, you know, the first thing is, is if, they, if you haven't talked to this partner, if you don't have a good inventory list of what their current workloads are in terms of those virtual machines, I said, uh, run a VOA, run that vSphere optimization assessment. What they did is after, our, of course, I walked them through, I taught the technicians on how to deploy it and run it and interpret the results. But when they ran their VOA, the report really showed them that the customer was oversizing their virtual machine. So in a sense, they had VM sprawl, right? Which is a, that usually exists around 80% of our end users now are, are experiencing mm. some sort of VM sprawl. And, uh, and what they did was with all the cost savings between the CPU and memory and storage, uh, they were going to get five virtual or five physical hosts. And what they did now is they stripped it down to three physical hosts because they were able to right size based on the VOA's assessment information. And don't get me wrong, this VOA is at no charge to our resellers to provide to their end users. Okay, the beautiful part about this is that they ended up taking the costs that would have incurred for the servers. And with those savings, they then purchase the license for, v, uh, for vRealize operations management. So they can continuously have that observer to watch if they're, you know, oversaturating their virtual machines or undersaturating them. So that continuous data center zen is really where we want, you know, our partners to go and, and really help to explain to our end users the benefits of it, right? So that was a great use case scenario for one, using the VOA for an assessment 
um, being able to reduce their physical footprint, which in a turn shrunk their IT spend from their CapEx, right? And then they were able to turn around and take some of those, uh, that cost savings and purchase an actual license for you know, vRealize operations management to continuously have their data center run in a more effective state. That's a really great story. Thanks so much. Jason, how about you? Yeah, man. Any questions? <laughs> Yeah, I do, man. Brandon, you're uh, you're opening up this just amazing gold mine here. Uh, some incredible stuff, especially for <laughs> for um, you know VMware uh, partners who are really experienced. I'm kind of curious though, you know, for some partners who might have only recently begun offering their end customers vSphere and, and such, um, and and therefore you know might have ha might have sort of an entry level level of experience. Um, is is migrating something like this uh, something that they ought to you know maybe not try to do on their own? Uh, good point. Okay, so that's that's a perfect question, and that's the only other um, thing I really didn't go down to, in terms of is talking about our Ingram Micro uh, professional services. So our Ingram Micro professional services has a team we call the IM Expert Team, and these guys are Ingram Micro employees, but are ready to be branded as our solution providers resource, which is totally fine. And the special thing about this is that we have a dedicated, um, in a sense I would say SKU, but it's more of a service, around vSphere 6.x upgrades. So if a customer wants to have these conversations, but you either, one, have the technical staff and they're just being leveraged in a lot of other projects that they may have, and you need some augmentation, we support from our IM expert team, and also, um, if, if you're just if the solution provider is just brand new to this and they've never rolled out a 6.5 or 6.7 um, migration strategy, that's where our IM expert team can come into play. So yeah, we do have services catered directly for this initiative. Great, uh, great no, question. No, that's great. Um, so let's say someone wants to you know leverage the IM expert team. How how do they get started? Who do they contact first? Uh, yep. So the easiest way to go is, well, I'll actually say this. There's a couple of um, uh, ways that they can get more information. The first place, that, if you wanted to learn more for a solution provider to go to, is ingrammicroplaybook.com. So that website has a list of all of our playbooks that are offered, and you're going to find the professional um, services playbook, and in there will be a lot of information on the other ancillary um, solutions that we have and services that we support, or you can simply email proservices at ingermicro.com, and that email will go to our team, our sales team, that will be able to then connect you with the right technical resource to then develop that statement of work. Brandon, really thank you very much for your time. I know our partners are going to appreciate uh, uh, everything that you've provided for them. Uh, I think there's a lot to chew on here. It's you know definitely not an easy thing, but it's also, I think, at the end of the day, and as you pointed out, it's it's probably in many areas easier than people might think at first. Yeah, you know, it's a good point. It's a, you know Sometimes for those that are very familiar with these migrations, uh, can do them in their sleep. Others that need some help, hey, hey, that's why we're here, right? And, you know, for me and my technical enablement team, you know, I am, uh, you know, one of three people here that cover a portion of the United States, and, you know, we'd love to have a conversation for you. So I love talking the business, the sales, and the technical side of it. Um, so that's why, you know, you can obviously, you know, get a hold of me, get a hold of my team. You know, we are happy to help. 
So that's going to about wrap it up for this edition of the Anger Microadvisor podcast. You can look for links to some of the resources in the show notes below that were mentioned earlier. We really appreciate you listening and encourage you to subscribe so you can hear the latest technology trends and how your business can benefit. To learn more about VMware and other technology developments, be sure to visit IngramMicroAdvisor.com. 